0: Because Easter is two weeks away, uh, I opened up my Bible earlier this week and I asked myself, I wonder what Jesus was doing two weeks before Resurrection Sunday. Um, We call it Easter, it's really Resurrection Sunday, but what was Jesus doing, what was happening two weeks before? And what I realized was he was actually walking into Jerusalem. And uh, the reason why he was walking into Jerusalem is because it was now time uh, for him to face that pressure uh, of being uh, held captive by being arrested and Uh, be led to the cross and I say it was now time because he had been in Jerusalem many times prior and they went to arrest him and grab him because they were not happy with the teachings and the miracles that were taking place Um, and so they were going to arrest him and every time he always fled the scene he always got into a boat and he left or he, he went walking into a different town. He always left Jerusalem because it wasn't time. And two weeks before, he actually started heading into Jerusalem. It's now time. And so he's facing all of this pressure. He's facing these angry people uh, that don't like him. And he's facing all of this. He's being overwhelmed with all of this. And and as I was studying, I thought, man, we can learn something here because many of us are in a season right now where we're experiencing a whole bunch of pressure. We're experiencing uh, people in our lives that uh, cause a lot of that pressure. And so what I did is I just began to... St- study Jesus and how he handled it, and we're going to apply that uh, to our life. And uh, I, I want to do a a visual illustration, just as a launching pad, and then we're going to dive straight in right into the scriptures. So uh, let me get my uh, my team up here, and uh, we're going to do a, a visual illustration on on being able to uh, to handle. Uh, I'll just put that right there for now. Being able to handle some pressure. Uh, there's always something exciting going on at celebration. Uh, we are going to uh, play a little bit of football uh, in, in the house and um, I'll take that and Isaiah, why don't you come on up here. He's uh, going to be on the defensive line. He's got his, his jersey on. Omar, why don't you go ahead and come up. He's got his jersey on and, and uh, the way I see it, um, there's lots of different kinds of pressure that can come our way. But by and large, most of us would connect with the fact that uh, we experience financial pressure to some degree. Uh, If you uh, own your own business or you're responsible for the bottom line at your company, you feel the pressure of finances and money. Um, But you feel it dually because you carry it in your personal life as well. Almost every family here can raise their hand and say, yes, I can feel that financial pressure. And if that's not the person that you feel uh, charging or that spirit or that stress, whatever you want to call it, then uh, it's uh, this other guy right here, uh, emotion. And and usually uh, these guys are cousins. They hang out with each other. Uh, Are you with me? Uh, wherever there's one, there's the other. And so what we're going to illustrate, these guys are on the defensive line. And uh, I've got uh, my team here. I've got my, my wide receiver and my, my two uh, linemen right here. And, and we're just going to play a, a little bit of football. And the reason why uh, I, I came up with this illustration is I'm half crazy. Um, and the other reason is, is if you ever study a quarterback, Whenever he snaps the ball and he is in the pocket or he's scrambling, he's got uh, an offensive, uh, a defensive line charging at him. And if he's going to be a successful quarterback and march his team down the field, uh, he's got to feel the pressure, but he can't stare and look at the pressure. He's got to look over. The pressure, and and stay focused on what he's trying to do. Now he can't be uh, a knucklehead and and just uh, pretend like they're not there because he'll get smashed. Um, but he's got to feel them, elude them, but keep his eyes over the pressure. Are you with me? So so let's see if we can visually uh, set this blue. <laughs> for Omaha. <laughs> that always seems to work for other teams. Uh, wait, can, can we send a letter to the Texans and just say, stick Omaha in there somewhere. It seems to work for other people. So blue, 42. And they always do this with their foot. I don't know what that means. But blue, 42. Now said, "Hi." jeez well I picked the right guy to be the receiver that's obvious jeez stress me out all right blue 42 now just so you don't think that I'm like totally lost haven 't gotten lost yet. let me just say, come on up here, Isaiah. Uh, every person has what I call an achilles heel uh, for for one person, it is this guy right here, and uh, you 'll know it 's you if you 've ever made the statement if i didn 't have a financial problem, my life would be pretty good so If you've ever said that statement, uh, then this is the guy that you're fighting. But if that's not a statement that comes out of your mouth, it's a different statement because nobody, this is important that you hear this, nobody has everything. Nobody has everything. Now, you may look at your neighbor down the street and go, I don't know what their Achilles heel is, but I'd sure like to trade with them. Are you with me? Trust me, if you were in their house, you may look at your life and go, whoo, I'll keep what I got. Are you you with me? Okay. Blue 42, Omaha. God bless the Texas. Thank you. Omaha. Where are you going? (laughs) There we go. Now everybody has a, a different personality. This is how this is how the Texans would do it, okay? Blue! 42 down San hurt. Dear God. <laughs> That's how the Texans would do it. Uh, if you're if you're an A&M fan, <laughs> This is how they would do it. Down, sit, hut. (laughs) Give these guys a round of applause, would you? Come on, give it to them. I think the people in that section over there caught up on their prayer life. <laughs> dear God, dear God. All right, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Two weeks before Easter, on how Jesus handled the pressure. Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed, and they followed, and as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the twelve aside again, and began to tell them things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. So here Jesus is voluntarily going into a situation where there is going to be an onslaught of pressure. Uh, It's one of those situations where when he looks at other pressures, he'd choose those instead. Give me financial pressure instead. Give me anything. But he's putting himself in that situation. And so I I believe the, the first thing that he did to make himself successful at looking over, feeling the pressure, but looking over and past the pressure to remain effective is that he lived a sacrificial life. The first point is sacrifice. See, there's a a tug of a war um, for your attention and affection as you live your life. Uh, it's called the cares of this world. And so, uh, to, to illustrate, uh, on one hand, you need to work. Uh, you need to have a job. You need to make money. You need to pay bills. You need to put food on the table. And if you can land yourself a really good job, you get a, a better house, a better car, and a thicker steak. Um, but that can very easily begin to pull demands on your attention and emotion away from why you're here. Are you with me? Jesus had this mentality of living a life of sacrifice. In his mind, I'm going to be here for 33 years, and that's it. And forever and ever 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 forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, I am going to reap the benefits of how I spent those 33 years. So what I do here, yes, I want to have as good of a job as possible. And I want to have all these tangible things to make my life a little bit more comfortable here. But it's only 33 years. My life, just as Jesus' perspective, is to be a servant here. To serve people. To live a sacrificial life because servants here are kings there. That's why he was a servant the entire time he was here. If he wanted to be a king here, he wouldn't be a, a, a king there. You have to pick one. Did you catch that? You have to pick one. So the the, the the grand poobahs here are gonna be the ones that open up the door for you there. It's all about the heart and your mentality on how you see people and how you see God. And so when the pressure, where's that football at? Uh, when the pressure is coming your way, it's very easy to get caught up in the moment and scramble, scramble, scramble. And do you see my eyes? Look at my eyes. Your eyes drop and you start scrambling. Whereas... A successful quarterback and the greatest quarterback of all time, Jesus, keeps his eyes up and looks over the temporary issues by keeping them, forcing the situation to stay temporary by remembering my life here. Is to be as sacrificial as possible. In Romans chapter 12. Paul says this. My whole life. Is a living sacrifice. Oh that we may give. The kind of sacrifice. That the Lord wants. See there are some sacrifices that take place. That the Lord is not interested in. It's the kind, of, I'll give you an example, somebody who's sacrificial, but they're doing it to get lots of glory. Ah, ah, ah. That's, that's not the kind of sacrifice the Lord wants. This is the kind of sacrifice the Lord wants. If you're taking notes, it's twofold. Number one is you esteem others to be better than yourself. It's that constant. It's that constant. It's not easy and it's not natural, especially when you're dealing with buffoons. It's not natural to esteem them and to lift them up and not to be prideful or arrogant. It's not natural. But to force yourself to... My life is a living sacrifice. And then number two, Lord, I... It doesn't matter what good things you give me or what opportunities I have on on earth. However, my life means nothing to me except to finish the race and complete the task of testifying of you. In other words, this person may work at a snow cone stand 50 hours a week and this person may be the President of the United States. Fine, you guys both have jobs. But regardless of what your day job is to pay your bills, your mindset is, I'm going to live a life of sacrifice. And when you do that, and the pressure comes, you don't get overwhelmed with it and your head begins to drop and you become consumed with the people because you're looking right over them and you're saying, my life is a sacrifice anyway. My life is a sacrifice anyway. That's why Jesus was able to say, Guys, we're going to Jerusalem. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. We're going to Jerusalem because my life is a sacrifice. The last time we were in Jerusalem, they almost arrested you. Yeah, but it's time. My life is a sacrifice. You'll realize a lot of people in situations that are stressful become less stressful The minute you look at it like, hey, my life is a sacrifice. Number two. Point number two is perplexed. In the middle of the pressure, there are seasons of perplexity. Seasons of not understanding what's happening. The disciples that were following Jesus, the Bible says that they were amazed and afraid. Amazed and afraid. Now, when I was reading this this week, I thought to myself, how can you be amazed and afraid? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't go together. It's like drinking milk with spaghetti. If you drink milk with spaghetti, don't tell me, okay? <laughs> I'm Italian, it's like insulting the people, okay? It's just it just doesn't go together, you know? It doesn't go together. And it, and it's 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 there's amazed and and afraid. Um it, it doesn't go together. But when you think about it carefully and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal it, it all of a sudden it makes sense. They're amazed. Because they have been living with Jesus for three years and they have seen some amazing things. They've seen him take five pieces of bread and two fish and feed a thousand people and they all brought home to-go boxes. How do you do that? They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him look at a blind person. spit in their eyes and they could see. They are amazed. But yet when they look at what's coming up, it freaks them out. Now they're afraid we're going to Jerusalem? Are you sure? I think we can relate to that many of us. When we look back, watch this. When we look back, At how good God has been to us. I don't know about you. When I look back on my life. I think to myself. Man. God has been very good to me. He has forgiven me. For so much. There were times. When my wife and I first got married. We had our TV that was given to us. On a box and we sat down on a rug. I could vacuum our whole apartment without pulling the cord out of the wall. That's how small I could just done. It was just a a little closet and I back up and I go, Oh, we had that little tiny shack in Rockford, Illinois. Now we have children. We can put clothes on their back. Uh, I can't believe what the Lord has done. Even more so, I feel the Holy Spirit tugging me in this direction when I look back at my childhood and I see some of the things that happened to me that I know... The enemy would have loved to have either killed me at that moment or messed me up emotionally for the rest of my life by arranging this evil situation. And I look back and I go, man, God was there. Are you with me? Are you with me? So, so we too, we too, look, we are, we are amazed as well. But yet I can connect as well to the afraid part. Because the disciples were amazed and afraid. They were perplexed. So when they look back, they are amazed. But when they look at what's coming up and the situation that they're in now. Oh Jesus, are you sure that you got this right? Isn't it amazing on how when we look back at what God has done we're amazed. But when we look at the challenge that we're in right now, and we have waiting for us this week, we're afraid. We're both amazed and afraid. That's where the disciples were. They were perplexed. And I I just find it so amazing because it's the same Jesus that amazed them back then is still with them right now. And I think you and I, when we are experiencing that pressure, we got to stop and say, time out, time out. The same God that was in my life when I was just a little kid and didn't even know he was there, that took care of me then is the same God that's with me right now. And so when we feel that pressure, we can look right over all of our problems and say, things are a little bit sticky right now, but this is just a moment in time, everything's going to be okay. Do you know that God knows the number, every time a piece of hair falls off your head, He notices it. Now, I keep him more busy than most of you. <laughs> but every hair. Do you know that he has every star named? Named! Now, here in Houston, I mean, we've got refineries. If it's not a bank, it's a refinery. So when we look up, it's not real impressive. It's like, okay, that's, so you've got three stars named. That's fantastic. But if you go to, like, Colorado... You go skiing, and you look up. There's no refineries. And there's like a zillion stars. Are you with me? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a zillion. And you look up there, and, and you just think, oh, my goodness. God knows the name of all those stars. Imagine being God. Larry. Mo. Lisa, I expected more twinkling out of you. How do you know that they don't have human names? They could. Anyone here name their pet a human name? Anyone here? What would you name your pet? Thomas. I love it when people. Is it a cat? No, a dog? Is it a, a cat named Thomas? I love that. Anyone else name their cat a human or their animal a human name? What, what was it? Jack and Jill, Jake and Ginger. I like that. Anyone else? Toby? Is it a dog or a cat? I used to have a a friend of mine named his cat Steve. (laughs) I love that. What's yours, Richie? (laughs) We're, We're looking for a drummer if... If anyone wants to be our new drummer. But but how do we know the Lord didn't name stars human names? He, he, he could do whatever. He, he, just, he causes the world, spins it like a basketball. He's got stars. He throws planets in the sky. He looks at your situation and the same God that amazed you... Back then is for you now. So point number one is sacrifice. Oh man, when we shift our thinking to a sacrificial life, everything changes. Number two is this... This um, Help me, what's number two? Oh, you guys are good. <laughs> Perplexed. Number three is control. Jesus said this, I'm going and people are going to arrest me. They're going to... Crucify me. Now, this is the Son of God speaking. Now, I feel like for this moment, this part of my message is the reason why some of you came today. So listen carefully. The Son of God is going to be in a situation where it appears that He is no longer in control and everybody around Him is now dictating his future. They tell him when to lay down with a whip. They tell him when to stand up. They put a crown of thorns on his, they rip his beard. They are dictating his life. And I just feel so strongly in my spirit that there's some of us in this room, we don't feel like we are in control. It's the husband. That's pulling you around. It's the wife that's dictating the temperature in the house. It's the boss that determines whether or not you get a raise. Or whether you don't get a raise. It's the stockholders that dictate the future of your entire company. You don't feel in control. You are not driving the ship. It's the physical ailments that's causing you to lay down in the middle of the day. You don't want to lay down, but you're ill. You have to lay down. Do you see where I'm getting at here? There's other things controlling the environment that's controlling you. And it very much appears that they're the ones running your life. Are you with me? You're not running your life. They're running your life. And Jesus was in that exact position of a season where it feels, it appears, that you're not in control. And I just want to let you know that those seasons are allowed by God. They're allowed to remind you that you're not in control. That God is in control, and it's in those seasons where we humble ourselves and go, God, I don't know what to do. I need your help. Even Jesus got down on a knee, and he said, God, my Father, can this cup please pass from me? No. You have to drink the cup. There are seasons when that happens where it appears that the person that shouldn't be in control is in control. I want to say this. When you're living your life, when you walk out of here Monday morning and the pressure comes, you may think that the pressure is dictating your life. And it may feel like that, but it's only for a season. It's only for a season. To a mother in this room, you may back up and say, I have been praying for my child. I have been loving my child. My child doesn't listen to me. He's out at 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know where he's at. Won't answer my telephone calls. Uh, I am just. I don't know what to do. It just feels completely out of control. I'm loving and I'm caring. And I'm loving and I'm caring. And I'm loving and I'm caring. But it feels completely out of control. And for a season, it may appear that that way but when in due season see due season may be two weeks due season may be two years the bible says the eyes of all look expectantly to you and you give them what they need in due season we don't know how long due season is but in due season the tide changes and all of a sudden that son comes home and he says mom thank you for never stopping. You know, isn't it interesting that our parents get smarter as we get older? <laughs> My dad was dumb as a box of rocks when I was 13. <laughs> now that I'm older, he's gotten kind of smart. <laughs> I don't know how that works. But when you're between 13 and 20, you know everything. You know what I mean? You're smarter than than Albert Einstein. And then you get older and you're like, man, maybe my parents did know something. My God, you were dumb when I was a kid. You're pretty smart now. It's it's funny how that works, right? Actually, what's happened is uh, we've come to our senses. And when my mother stays the course and keeps on loving and caring, loving and caring, loving and caring, in spite of the fact that it appears that it's out of control. When the due season comes around the son comes home and says mom thank you so much. When the due season comes around Jesus was in their control for three days but then due season came around and he comes out of the grave and now we see what happens and then he reaps it forever and ever. There is a season where it appears if you're taking notes underline appears It appears that someone else is in control of your destiny. But don't believe that. See over that. It's not true. It's smoke and mirrors. Number three. Can I say that again? If Jesus did not see over the soldiers, he would begin to start believing that these soldiers that are crucifying him are in charge of his life. Don't believe that. The Bible says that he has stored up for you good things. He's stored them up. He's been building them up. He's stored them up. I have a future and a hope for you. I've got it all built up. Come on. Keep on coming. Keep on coming. Number four is persistence. If you can just... Remember this, persistence always wins. Persistence always wins. Do you know how easy it is to feel the pressure and then get mad at God, get mad at church, get mad at your spouse, get mad at your family, allow that emotional person to come tackle you like we illustrated at the beginning. To ele- Do you know how easy it is to just let yourself get overcome with all that? It's so interesting because without persistence of being able to back up and say, this is a rough patch, This is a rough patch. Well, this rough patch has been going on for two years. I understand. It's a rough patch. It's a rough patch. But when we make emotional decisions without seeing above the rough patch, and they end up being self-serving and not sacrificial, we end up paying for that mistake for the rest of our life. Persistence. I want to challenge you today. To see over the pressure. And keep your eyes locked. I mean laser focused. On continually developing your relationship with God. Which is. As easy as. First Thessalonians 5, 17. Never stop praying. Some of you may say, Well, I'm not a very good prayer. That probably means that you're the best among us. Because people who deem themselves as good prayers end up like praying in the King James Version. <laughs> Oh, Father, how art thou? It, the, the best prayers are the people that don't know how to pray, so it just bleeds from their heart. Kind of like when you're driving down the road and somebody comes into your lane from the oncoming traffic and you don't have the time to say, Our Father who art in heaven, how art there be thy name? You go, Jesus! That is like the best prayer in the world. You don't have the time to be eloquent. You only have a moment to be passionate. Those are the best prayers. So when you live your life like Jesus, first of all, it's going to be sacrificial. I'm not in this for me. I'm not in this for me. I'm, I'm not here to win every single argument with my wife. I'm not here to fight my boss over every single issue. I'm not here to fight over somebody and yell at them because they went first on a four-way stop. I, I You know what? This whole world is just... I'm, this is going to be a sacrificial life for me. I, I don't win here. I win there. This whole world is about... Lifting Jesus up and allowing him to look at me and go, that's my boy. That's my boy. This is going to be sacrificial. Look, it's going to be perplexing. I'm just going to remember that when I get afraid, remember that I was, I'm amazed at the same time. Drag that over. there's going to be seasons where it seems like it's out of control. I'm just going to look right over it. I'm just going to look right over it. I am going to just look right over it i do not even see these guys. I feel them, but I'm just going to look right over it. And one thing's for sure. I may not be perfect, but I'm going to be persistent. Are you with me on that? I'm I'm, I'm the bulldog. It doesn't give up. you you know what are those little bulldogs their nose is like pushed back you can see their snot they have sleeping problems they snore when they sleep what am I talking about what breed is that pugs their eyeballs are about to fall right out you know what I'm talking about I I personally would never own a pug because I have too much ego to tell somebody I got a pug But the thing about pugs that I do like is that they're able to hang on and breathe at the same time. It's not pretty. Don't get me wrong. Their nose is slanted backwards. It's not pretty. But they can hang on and breathe at the same time. That's the kind of DNA we need to have. I'm not letting go. I can stay like this all day long. I'll go six months. I'll go five years. I don't know how long due season is. I may have to. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. I'm going to hang on. And Jesus showed me how to do it. He showed me how to do it.